Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God and living well. And do you know what? Do you know what today almost is? It's our anniversary. Whole and Complete launched February 18th of last year, right before all the craziness with COVID and the pandemic hit. And some 23, 24,000 downloads later, here you are with me. Thank you so very much. So give yourselves a round of applause because without you, this show would not be possible. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, for sharing, for rating, for reviewing, for becoming a patron, for just all of the things that make a podcast successful. So thank you so very much. And if you have not yet had a chance to rate and review the podcast and you've been listening for the past year and you're like, oh, I keep meaning to do that. Now is the time. It'll be an anniversary gift. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening, for sharing. I just, man, I'm just awash in gratitude. So having said that, It is time for part two of our series. So for those of you who are brand new to Whole and Complete, Whole and Complete is a series-based podcast. And here we are in the second episode of the series. And I assure you, you want to go back and listen to the first one because it is a good one. I have gotten emails and inboxes and text messages all week like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, child, that episode was so good. Thank you, sis. And so you want to make sure that you go back and get that context before we launch into part two of this series. And so part two of the Ready for Love series takes us to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. And it reads as thus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast or some versions say so that no one can boast. So where are we going today? Readiness obstacles, loving yourself, and readiness criteria. Let's dive right in. So to remind you, we have a working definition of love that we are using for this series. Biblical love from the Tony Evans Christian Standard Bible says that biblical love is not merely a feeling, but it is a decision to compassionately, out of concern for someone else, righteously and sacrificially seek the well-being of another person. So on the first installment of this series, we outlined our definitions, we talked about expectations, and we ended with some truth bombs about love. Well, today we are going to continue the series with things that get in the way of love. As I mentioned in the first episode, love can be triggering and send people spinning into all kinds of self-sabotage. And one of those obstacles is an inability to receive. So what do I mean by that? Well, we are so hardwired into believing that we have to what Brene Brown calls hustle for worthiness, that when someone just loves us without condition, we honestly don't know what to do with that. (laughs) When somebody loves us with no strings attached or does something for us and doesn't expect anything in return or is not going to, you know, bring it up later. Many of us have had so many negative experiences with people who in our origin story said that they loved us that 
many of us believe that love has to come with strings attached or that love has to come with abuse or neglect or negative language and that this is just how people who love each other talk to one another. So we're just not used to that. And honestly, this is what is so magnificent and yet challenging about God's love. Our guiding scripture says that we are saved through an act of faith, of simple belief, and we don't have to jump through hoops and we don't have to turn cartwheels and we don't have to jump down, turn around, pick a bale of cotton, jump down, turn around, pick a bale of hay. We don't have to do any of that. The verse in Ephesians literally says that it is a gift of God's grace and not of works, meaning that your actions or your performances or your perfecting has nothing to do with God's grace towards you. And so all you have to do is just believe that God loves you enough to send Jesus to die in your place. And that is how we are securing our salvation. And yet this can be a challenge for those of us who are quote unquote, hustling for worthiness. Right now, I am reading a book called Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans. It is a phenomenal read. It is a phenomenal read. I read it on Saturday mornings with a group of women at eight o'clock in the morning. And that is a struggle to be up that early on the weekend. My God, but man, it's always powerful and it's always worth it. And I wanted to share a an excerpt from that book with you. And she says this, she says, I'm no good at receiving. Ours is a culture of achievement, of sufficiency, of bootstrapping and ladder climbing. We celebrate the winners, the leaders, the do-it-yourselfers, end quote. In other words, we are a society that awards performance. And when people die, we often talk about all the things that they did and much less about who they were. Giving is about control. Receiving is about surrender. I'm going to repeat that. Giving is about control. Receiving is about surrender. And baby, if you are anything like me, you like to be in control, in control of the narrative, in control of the rules of engagement. And you are ready to pull out the long list of receipts showing all the things that you did and why those things make you worthy and eligible for A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z. Because... I've been like that for a very long time, but receiving on the other hand, receiving means that you are at the mercy and grace of the giver and that can be triggering. So you may have grown up overlooked or neglected, or you were only praised or recognized when you did something like get good grades. And if you did not receive consistent, positive reinforcement without having to do something noteworthy, You can be triggered when someone loves you just because, because you're just not used to that. Or when someone tries to do something nice for you or give you something without expectation of receipt, you can feel pressured or obligated to do something nice for them to quote unquote, even the score. So if you grew up in a family where people were constantly throwing what they did for others in the faces of other people or throwing what they did for you in your face, you can grow up conditioned not to want to feel like a burden. And you never want to be in a position where somebody can say how they helped you or gave you $50 or watched your kids. You would rather suffer. You would rather suffer in silence. You would rather struggle than ask for help or receive help. Okay. And when people try to love you or love on you, but you're not ready to be loved, you set up this dynamic where you are in possession of something that you have not received. 
What do I mean by that? How can you be in possession of something that you have not received? It's like having a gift, okay? It's like when you when somebody rings the doorbell or the delivery man rings the doorbell and you sign for a package, you can be in possession of the package, but it doesn't mean that you've received it. <laughs> you know, it, it might say that on the UPS receipt, it might say that on the FedEx receipt, but just because you are in possession of the item doesn't mean that you received the item. It's like having a gift, but refusing to open it because opening it means you have to acknowledge the giver and you have to acknowledge the feelings and the intentions behind it. And you have to acknowledge that somebody actually sees you and cares about you and you have absolutely zero control over that. Okay. So a lot of times we find ourselves in possession of love, people that are in our lives that love us, and we're not ready to receive that love. And so we put up walls or we put up blockades or we keep people at arm's length because we're not ready to receive it, even though it's there and it's there for us to experience and to get the full benefit of, but we're not ready to receive it yet. So it's just there. Jesus's love is very much like that. Jesus love is there, honey. It is there. It is there. It is abundant. It is constant. It is everlasting. It is never ending. It is there. Always to the end of the age, the Bible says. And yet, do you know how many people reject it flat out? Mm -mm, I don't want that. It must be something to it. Or, you know, I know too many people that got that and they're a bunch of hypocrites. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. And so you can be in possession of it. It is right there, but it does not mean that you have received it. And the love between one person to another can work very much the same way because it's something that you don't have control over, which brings us to loving yourself. I do love that song by Justin Bieber that if you like the way you look that much, then maybe you should go and love yourself. That's, that's a little bop on the low, but I digress. Listen, so loving yourself. So last week we talked about the scripture from Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep a record of wrongdoing. So let me begin this segment by asking you three questions. Are you patient with yourself? Are you kind to yourself? Do you forgive yourself? easily. You just shake things off. You let things go. You give yourself a measure of grace and you just keep it moving. If you answered no to any of these questions, then you might want to examine whether or not your definition of self-love meets the biblical standard. Something that I don't think we do enough of is taking the time to learn when and how we learn to love ourselves. And what does that mean? One of the most controversial pieces of Brene Brown's work on shame and vulnerability. You can only love others as much as you love yourself. And people get really fired up about that statement. But what she means by that, one of the reasons she says this is because people in your life are learning about love in part based on how you love yourself. For example, if you think back to your upbringing, did you have a mother who was confident and achieving and self-affirming and practiced self-care? Or did you have a mother who was bitter and burned out and broken and had baggage that had not yet been sorted through? And depending on which one she was, what did that teach you? What did that teach you about love? Was she always lifting herself up? Or was she tearing herself down? Oh my goodness, I'm so fat. Oh my goodness, I don't want to be in the picture. Oh my good, you know, just think about it. How? In what ways did she use to describe herself? How does she talk about herself even now if your mother is still with you? 
What kind of language do you use to describe yourself? When someone pays you a compliment, do you say thank you? Or do you find some way to downplay it or deflect it? As of this moment, are you living full out? Or are you playing small? Are you hiding your gifts and talents in the back of the closet somewhere out of fear and doubt? Where is the love in that? Who benefits from that? When things go wrong and you experience challenges, do you bounce back after setback? Or do you build walls? Do you kick people out of your life? Do you hang up your cleats and say you're never going to try again? That's not love. That's not the kind of love that you want from others. But it's the kind of love you demonstrate to others because people believe less of what you say and more of what you do. And so you teach people how to treat you. You teach people how to love you based on the example that you set in loving yourself. Loving yourself, knowing yourself, becoming what my friend Dr. Tiffany calls the master of you is essential to being ready for love. We have to lead by example. If we neglect ourselves, why do we expect others not to? If we talk about ourselves negatively, why do we expect others not to? And here's a key point. If you are not willing to be vulnerable, do not expect others to be vulnerable with you. If you are consistently guarded because you don't want to get hurt, then your expectations of love are unrealistic because here's the part they don't tell you in the brochure. Love is hard. When you step into the arena of love, you are going to get your entire ASS handed to you, period, point blank. There's no getting around that. You're going to get it handed to you on a platter. And that doesn't mean that there aren't couples out there who have loving, wonderful relationships. But at the same time, every couple experiences some challenges that really test the boundaries of of their love, that really test the boundaries of their own limitations. But love that works, what the Bible calls perfect love, covers a multitude of mistakes. The Bible says it covers a multitude of sins. It also says that perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. Love hurts. And yes, love heals. There is no getting away from that. Trust me, when Jesus looked into that cup in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was looking into that bitter cup and saw what would be required for our souls to be redeemed back to God, he asked his father, uh, what else you got? <laughs> Jesus said, what is plan B? What, what is the backup plan? Because he said, if there is any way, if there is any way, other way for this to happen, can you please let that happen? And then ultimately he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When Jesus got to the point to fulfill his calling, his destiny, his purpose, he looked at that option and was like, I, man, ooh, mm. we got something else cooking in the background. And the answer was no, you know, Calvary was no picnic. It hurt. And yet it also healed. So before you get caught up in what I described in the last episode is that Jackie Wilson version of love, you need to take a minute, take a beat and make sure that the love you want from others is the love that you have extended to yourself 
on a consistent basis. And last but not least, I could not leave this series without sharing what I believe are some of the indicators that you are ready for love. So I've talked about all the ways that, you know, you may not be ready, but what are some indicators that you might be ready to step into that arena? Well, in addition to loving ourselves and in addition to being willing to accept love from others with grace and humility and gratitude, one indicator that you are ready for love is that you have taken an assessment of your own issues and inner challenges and you have a regular and consistent mechanism in place for sorting through them and healing from them. I'm going to repeat that. One indicator that you are ready for love is that you have taken an assessment of your own issues and inner challenges and you have a regular and consistent mechanism in place for sorting through them and healing from them. So what do I mean by that? A lot of times, if you have ever been with a good friend through a bad breakup, you know, and your girlfriends, your sister friends are trying to help somebody through a bad breakup, I guarantee you that at least one of them will say something like, girl, at least now you ain't got to deal with his BS. That's his, that's her problem now. In other words, you take yourself with you wherever you go, okay? Wherever you go, your issues are going to follow. And the same way that you don't want to have to deal with someone else's BS, baggage, and brokenness, they don't want to have to deal with yours either. Now, this does not mean that you have to be perfectly together before being in a relationship because lots of people will tell you, lots of couples will tell you that they helped one another grow, that they helped one another mature and evolve and iron sharpens iron and all of that. But what it does mean is that you need to have enough self-awareness to recognize when you are projecting some riffraff into the relationship and have a system in place for resolving that that doesn't sabotage or destroy or demolish or damage the relationship in a way that cannot be repaired. Another indicator that you are ready for love is that your life is complete without it. And here's what I mean by that. And when I'm talking about that relationship type love, not like filial love, like we talked about, you know, between friends or uh, that sort of thing. I'm talking about you are not looking for someone to complete you like Jerry Maguire, right? (laughs) That you are not looking for someone to fill the void left by other things and other people. So it's not 50-50, two halves making a whole. It should be two whole people coming together in a way that is both complimentary and gratifying. When you enter a relationship from a place of scarcity, thirst, desperation and insufficiency it is only a matter of time before both of you realize that the relationship is not going to be enough to fill that chasm it is a merger it is not an acquisition both parties should be coming to the table with emotional spiritual and yes I'm gonna say it monetary assets okay so don't don't send me no texts and tweets about that because just don't. I'm I'm firm on that. I said what I said. Now, the last <laughs> the last indicator that I want to share with you on this series and there's so many more, but I want to offer room for our guests to come in next week and, and talk about these things. So the last indicator that I want to share on this part of the series is this. Love is like a toolbox. It is not a trophy. Meaning If you are looking for arm candy and social capital and pics for Instagram or to avoid what you perceive is a stigma for being single, then you want a trophy. 
something that you can put on a shelf for display, something that you can put out for others to take a look at. And love is not that. Love is like a toolbox, a self-contained unit that offers different utilities at different times, depending on what is needed, like healthy conversation, like comfort, like compassion, like empathy, like nurturing, like protection, like provision, like privacy. Hello, somebody keep your business off of Facebook. Uh, like forgiveness, like compromise, etc. A toolbox is not always flashy, but it almost always has what you need. Okay, so that's where I want to leave it for this part of the series. And if you have any comments, questions, takeaways, if you haven't reviewed the podcast, please grant us that anniversary gift because one year of content and all of these downloads that you help make possible, let's help other people find whole and complete. So if you haven't taken the time to do that and you are listening to this podcast via iPhone or Apple, please take the time to do so. And on our next episode, I will be inviting possibly two guests, but certainly one to weigh in uh, from a psychological perspective, uh, someone who specializes in love and in counseling and relationships so that we can get that point of view and make sure that we add that to our discussion for the balance of the series. And so thank you guys so much for listening. Happy anniversary, whole and complete. And I will see you guys next time.